Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to The Brian Diaries, where our pals and I get together and talk about subjects dealing with our favorite tabletop role-playing setting, The World of Darkness. While we may not be subject matter experts on the game lines, we have a passion that has led us to create and share actual plays with you all. Eventually, we thought, well, shit, we might as well take a stab at a podcast, and here you go. Each episode, we will have a guest content creator to join us to talk about whatever subject is on the table. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach out to us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. So here we go. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of The Brian Diaries. Uh, I'm here joined by Quinn, Slavic, and Chaz. For those of you who have not watched our actual plays that are on our channel or on our podcast, I'm going to give a little quick backstory about us so you know. My name's Chris. I'm the uh, I'm the guy who originally started uh, the channel by running Twin Cities by Night, the Negligence, and the Homecoming storyline. Also ran a, a Chronicles of Darkness game called The World of Darkness: The Ultimate Evil, uh, that takes place with deals with Satan in 1980s, which is awesome. And then uh, uh, I currently am running a Sabbat game called Wars on Fire that takes place in Mexico in 1942. Um, uh, we'll. Kind of a, a poser when it comes to this RPG stuff. I was into White Wolf from about 1999 to 2001, where I was like, uh, just was falling down the rabbit hole with all of it. Bought a bunch of books, and then one day my books got stolen. And I was just like, fuck it, and I moved on. And I just kind of forgot about role playing up until about what? I think not even two years ago, around two years ago, a little yeah, less. Yeah, about. I got, I got back into White Wolf. I just pretty much on a whim. <laughs> I was um I was cutting weight for a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament. I was just miserable, and for some reason I was on a Reddit. And I was on Reddit, and I found the White Wolf Reddit page. And next thing I know, two three months later, I'm looking for people to play in the game online, and that's how we got together. Uh, so uh, I'm excited to be here talk about uh my favorite uh tabletop setting and uh, one of my favorite hobbies now, uh, which is White Wolf slash World of Darkness games. Quinn. Yeah, I'm Joaquin. I am. I ran a game on this channel called uh, Victorian Age Vampire Diluted, which was set in the year 1848 during the time of the Great Famine in Ireland. And uh, so we we did that. That was a blast. Yep, we did that. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was my first time ever running a running a tabletop game for anyone, really. So that was an experience for me. Yeah, I, I got into art tabletop RPGs back in high school when, like, a gaming club and and the school met together, and we decided to, we pulled out a Dungeons and Dragons thing. I was like, I heard about it, and never tried it at all. And so I tried it. It was like, I actually like this. I really enjoy this. And so I got into it, and then I was able. I was, I was sort of just like searching for several years, and then I met up with Chris a couple of years ago, and boom, here we am today. So are you saying we were like fate brought us together for your first time? Is that what you're, is that what you're trying to tell me? No. Right. If you want to see it that no. way, I can help you there. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying you know how to make someone feel special, man. But no, it's been awesome. Yeah, uh, uh, Victorian Age Vampire was a blast. I got to play in that too. That was the first game where like someone else ran a game on our channel. And Quinn knocked it out of the park, especially like not even not even factoring in the fact that like it was his first time storytelling too, and he did it like 
to the public, which takes some cojones, man. And so I know we're all excited to, to touch upon that or other ideas that you've had to run games in the future, man. So that's awesome. And uh, we're also here joined by Slavic. What's up, man? Hey. Yeah, so I'm Slavic. I, I sort of got into White Wolf through... Uh, through Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. I actually wasn't... Uh, how old was I? I was like 15 or something. You know, so I played this game, tried to find similar games, and I actually realized it was a role-playing game. So by that point, I already had experience with role-playing games. I I played Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and I think I played a bit of GURPS as well. But yeah... Uh, World of Darkness games, or Vampire the Masquerade in particular, was just very different and uh, a more story-based game. The games I ran, ran before with my friends, it was more, you know, hack and slash, this sort of thing. And uh, I really liked the focus on story and stuff. And I actually also ran a one-shot on this channel. You won't, it, you won't be able to see it yet. You'll have to wait a couple of months. But uh, I do hope that you'll enjoy it. It's a bit different than the um, normal stuff we do. Awesome. This could be so rad. I, I totally spaced that out, too. That's like a gem that's in the tr- in the safe. Being, uh, that's not ready yet to be brought out, but we have a special date. In the it's in the vault. Drop that. It's in the yeah. vault, and it's just like <laughs> it's like fine wine. It's getting better with age, man. It's just sitting there and just fermenting. It's awesome, man. That's awesome, too. So uh, right now I have cold brew coffee that is, like, flowing through my veins. It's like a little thing I do before we start our game. So I'm starting to get caffeinated here, which is a nice tie-in to our, our content creator guest, Chaz. What we want to do in this podcast in the Brian Diaries is every episode invite a content creator who out there in the World Wide Web is creating content that deals with White Wolf or the World of Darkness. And so we decided to invite Chaz here of the Caffeinated Conquest fame uh, uh, matter of fact, I'm just going to hand it over to him. Tell us a little about, about yourself and your channel and your products there, Chaz. Uh, thanks a lot, Chris. So I, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Chaz LaBelle, the quote-unquote boss of Caffeinated Conquest, which basically means I have no real power, but it's still my fault when shit goes south. We are a <laughs> we are a nerd comedy channel, so uh, our most successful series is the How Not To series, where we lovingly lampoon some of the traditional gaming tropes that you tend to find uh, crop up in this hobby, because in order to properly make fun of something, I'm a firm believer that you have to love it, and we really love it. So, And we may have an entire series dedicated to the Vampire the Masquerade clans. Our second most popular series is the RPG Imaginarium, where the incomparable Josh will give a dramatic reading of some of the funniest or just best or most well-known stories of RPGs and traditional gaming from around the internet. So if you're into stories like Old Man Henderson or Sir Barrington, that's the kind of stuff he does, and he's great at it. I am also very fortunate to a cast of some genuinely funny people, and we do White Wolf actual plays on our channel. And I got to admit, I got to admit, at first I was... I was a little hesitant because I was thinking, you know, this is a community of people that want real emotional impact and deep thought-provoking stories. And down with a bunch of nerds being laughing, joking numb nuts over our, our gothic pain and deep personal sorrows. But, you know, <laughs> fuck I thought for the community's actually embraced us, and for that, we are really grateful. Yeah, man, you guys, like, never cease to amaze me. I mean, I absolutely fucking love the How Not To videos. 
that was like the first, honestly, that was the first that I got into you because uh, Slavic actually was like, you got to check out this video, How Not to Torridor, man. It was hilarious, dude. I was like, all right, let me check it out. And then like the rest is history. But I think Chad sells himself short a little bit too, in a way, because like, I mean, you do run, I mean, you've been running uh, V5 playtesting. You've been running that stuff for Josh over there at uh, High Level Gaming, like for his stuff in the Storyteller Vault. You, you guys run some like serious stuff too. I mean, you've been running your LA, night, LA by Night game. Uh, well, so I do try to give the story the gravitas that it deserves. And, you know, I, I told you because you brought up the, the oh, sorry, I can't think of my words right now. You brought up the promotion that we did for Josh Heath at High Level Games. I was like, I will give you, I, I will tell the story to the absolute best of my ability. I will give the proper gravitas, but I can't guarantee my players. And I told him that right off because my guys will not take crap seriously. And I, I swear to God, I had, okay, my, my LA by night, Rise of the Free States, that was supposed to be, I think, six or seven sessions. And then session three, Bob runs a flaming car into the Harpies Mansion. I just went home that night and started tearing shit out of the notebook. <laughs> That's how, uh, yeah, I've noticed so that about much. you. Yeah, 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 it happens, man. But, I mean, you, you run with it. I mean, I think, it, I think it's actually kind of, uh, I mean, in my opinion, you guys are starting to get a reputation almost as like the, I think the people to try out uh, things when they come out, like the V5, like which was going to tie into our second segment, like the way that you guys have handled playtesting V5, I think is awesome, man. I think it's garnered you guys some much warranted and much earned uh, respect in the community. You know, you had uh, Dawkins, the gentleman gamer who who was at, who was happy with what he how he saw you guys handled his rusted vein right up for V five, which again we'll talk about later. So uh, yeah, I mean, not only these guys, the Caffeinated Conquest guys, they put out like a high quality product. I think uh, it can be seen in their stuff, especially like I said, those how not to videos. But also, um, I mean, couldn't be a nice enough dude, uh, a humble guy, and Chaz. You know, he's like one of the I think one of the, like the first people. Uh, content creators I, I started talking to on a regular basis, especially uh, when we started the whole White Wolf RPG group, you know what I mean? Was like one of the first people on there sharing his stuff. So, uh, yeah, man, good people, good stuff. Check out stuff. How can people, uh, how can they check out your guys' stuff, Chaz? Oh, I guess that's important, isn't it? So we are on YouTube at uh, youtube.com slash CAFCON is on. We are on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Conquest. We're on iTunes somewhere, so just 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 search for us. Hopefully, you'll find us. I'm sure we'll provide links. So, oh yeah, we'll provide. Don't worry, guys. Chris, (laughs) Chris, know where they can find us at the White Wolf Gameplay Facebook page. Oh yeah, yeah, just. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Ah, yeah, basically, and well, there'll be a link in the stuff, but like, uh, we have that Facebook group, the White Wolf uh, RPG Gameplay and Media. Uh, what was the original name I had for that group? It was like New World of Darkness and Old World of Darkness. <laughs> it was, just uh, it was really, really complicated. <laughs> It was like it was like the worst run-on sentence ever. You know what I mean? But we eventually changed the White Wolf gameplay and media. So that's that's awesome stuff. So yeah, man. So uh, it's great to have you all guys here. We're gonna jump into our first break, and then when we come back, we will be talking about uh, Vampire: The Masquerade Fifth Edition <laughs> and the mysteries that are behind that. So please stay tuned. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? 
Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want. Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called Weight Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. Welcome back. All right. We are going to be talking about Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition. I, I consider pretty much probably the subject matter expert at that in this little group right now is Chaz. Because like I said, Chaz has ran a couple of uh, his sessions, which you can find on their channel and their SoundCloud, uh, dealing with Vampire Masquerade 5th Edition. Like I said, it's brought uh, the good attention from uh, one of the writers. Uh, since you brought up uh, Matthew Dawkins, I cannot tell you how hard I fanboyed when he when he left a comment <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him and I'm trying to be professional, right? And yes, yes, uh, gameplay and this artistic decision. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there in bed. It's like two in the morning because we're on opposite sides of the uh, of uh, of the world. And my girlfriend's just looking over me, baby, go to bed. Like he's a gentleman gamer. <laughs> yeah. I had a similar no, moment uh, when uh, Matthew joined our. Uh, Facebook group, so like I remember uh, that. Matthew, Matthew. <laughs> oh man, that's a gentleman gamer. Oh, I got to tell Chris in the first like 100 people who joined, like like a couple days yeah, after we started. Really yeah. active in these sorts of groups. I mean, not to divert, but yeah, like he's a very personal yeah. guy who's involved, and in a lot of like Jason Carl and a lot of those other guys who are involved in the new White Wolf are are out there in the public, and uh, yeah, they're 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 awesome people, and they they like to communicate with us. So I actually got to meet these guys at Gen Con this year. They Ooh. are the they are the coolest people in real life. I sincerely hope, from the bottom of my heart, that each one of you gets to talk to Martin <laughs> Ulrichson once because in five seconds to talking to this guy the passion of that he has for this project just completely oozes out of him and he, he's just the coolest guy we sat there we nerded out about vampire talking about all this stuff jason carl was awesome donnie devere seemed like like she was as awkward around me as i was around her because holy crap you're famous but it was it, it, they, they're just awesome awesome people and if you get a chance to meet them and talk to them I, I say go for it. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, hope, one day, I hope one day I can. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully yeah. we'll get to meet each other as well, you know, within our actual group. <laughs> right? so we live all over. Yeah, we live all across the globe, everywhere from New Zealand to Czech Republic to friggin' East Coast, West Coast, down South. So, yeah, we're a, uh, we're a wide spread. We're like the Justice League pretty much. You know what I mean? <laughs> Minus the whole better. But better, yeah, but not bad. But that's a different subject. So uh, V5 currently right now, uh, I don't know. What are they calling the iteration that's Rusted Bane? Because that's what they're currently still playtesting at cons right now, right? Is that like the alpha, alpha, beta? Is there like an official term, Chaz, for like what they're calling the current V5 playtest that's out? Yeah, it's the alpha playtest right now. 
So we, we, had, play test. we had the pre-alpha that came out at World of Darkness Berlin, and that was basically entirely to test the hunger system. Now, now they're moving into other things, and we have the alpha, which they run at Gen Con, and they've run at uh, PAX Unplugged just this uh, recently, a week or two ago, I think. Yeah, definitely. Now, you see, I'm one of the people, like, um, I, I don't know if it's just laziness on my part or what, but I really don't like to see behind the curtain when stuff is being made at times. You know, like, when I've, I've backed a couple, like, Kickstarters for World of Darkness games, White Wolf games, uh, uh, that are currently being produced. I don't like looking at any of, like, the, oh, here's the PDF of what we currently have. Here's a release chapter. Because to me, it's just, like, I, I like to collect books and everything, and, like, I just want the finished product. Just, like, when it's done, just hand it to me, and I'll read it, and I'll give my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not – so that first one, like, V5 was first announced when they did the the the, one, the Berlin by Night story. I kind of, like, like started to read the rule set a little bit, but I was like, Ugh. I don't have the – this is just me, just my laziness. I'm just like, I'll just read this when it comes out. You know what I mean? Like, because to me, I understand stuff changes, and, I, you know, and, 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 and to be honest – you know, like, uh, I don't get too, uh, myself, I don't get too personally vested, like, in additions or mechanics, as Slavic probably well knows. You know what I mean? Like, like people talk mechanics and argue about mechanics, and I just kind of, like, check out. You know what I mean? I'm like, whatever. I don't care. Like, like it doesn't, it's not like... Yeah, it's usually me and Andrew talking about stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like, there, you know, who's earlier like, this <laughs> level four thaumaturgy against level five aspects. No, like no, but seriously, like I just gotta check out because either I'm dumb or whatever. So like I rely on people like Chaz or I rely on my friends who like read the stuff to kind of like tell me this and this and that and that. And one of the things that I do like, and by the way, what I'm about to say is not any kind of like me saying the game should be played this way, right? This game is wonderful. Like you can play comedy games, you can play uh, personal horror games, you can play action games, you can play end of world Gehenna plot, antediluvians, whatever. And really, it doesn't bother me. It's your thing. You do your thing, man. I'll do my thing, and it's cool. No judgment. But I am excited to hear that the game is kind of going back a little bit to like the smaller scale personal horror, you know, like 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 city in a way and they're kind of it sounds like and just from my understanding it sounds like they are using the whole oh the sabbat are in the middle east fighting the gehenna wars against the elders and right now the camarilla super like we don't want no outside influence we want to lock everything down uh i like that because i like games and from what i hear about the hunger system and the compulsion system it sounds like they're really diving into vampires are damned and it's about trying to survive in a world where you're damned am i am i correct in that assertion or am i a little off there Chaz? okay well a couple things i, I want to say I'm, I'm i'm gonna try to remember all of them so forgive me if i don't uh number one okay. when we first start talking about v5 i just like to say because communicating with people in the in the community i've noticed that v5 tends to be pretty divisive I think because you know nerds, we're we're stodgy people. We don't we don't like a whole lot of change. So let me let me just put it <laughs> like this. this: is how I see V five, right? I love vampire. I love V twenty. You know that I do because you don't put as much work into stuff as we do in Capcom and not absolutely love something. But when you truly love something, you love it. You know, despite its flaws, warts and all. You know, and I don't think anybody. V20 and say, yeah, that system is absolutely perfect. It has its flaws, and when you look at it objectively, I think a lot of the new things they're doing are a vast improvement. 
there are there's some stuff that I don't like, and we'll get into that later. But I think again, looking at it objectively, some of the stuff they do is amazing. Like you brought up the hunger system, mm-hmm. you really don't notice how bad some of the old mechanics are until it hits you because we've never had anything to compare it to. But there was a, there was an episode in rise of the free States where Xavier's character, Jabril, we, we had just gotten out of combat and he burned himself down to two blood. And mind you, he, he's got a couple dots of generation at this point. So he's, he is at a point where the average vampire is gone, empty, nothing. And he calmly walks up to this guy who, this, this looky-loo at a crime scene that Bob's character Murphy Fierro started, because of course he did, and uh, just casually starts drinking. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're starving right now. Make your frenzy check. 10-8. And he takes his two points and just moves on to the next guy. In what vampire medium would you ever see that happen? He's going to drain that guy like a Capri Sun. <laughs> it hit me how how many you know games that we've played a vampire where the unholy endless hunger that characterizes the vampire just never shows up they might as well be yeah. they might as well be garou if not for the the fact that their their gifts are called disciplines and they have a bedtime when the sun comes up it reminds me of that horrific scene with William, actually, you know, when he walks in and one of his blood dolls is dead, and there's blood all over, and I failed my frenzy check, so I drained her, you know, so I licked all the blood everywhere there, and, you know, that's, it turns me just so horrific when I think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that scene to add on to what you're saying, Chaz, because this is before. I remember that specifically when I had you made that rule, because if you look at the rule set before V5 for like frenzy check, self-control check for blood, the difficulty in the book says it's supposed to be like three or four, which is insanely low in my opinion. I agree with you, right? Where at that time, though, when the thing happened with William and one of our stories, I didn't know that rule. So I'm like, self-control rule, difficulty eight or whatever, you know what I mean? And he failed it, and I had him where he's like licking the blood off the floor when he snaps out of it. Uh, It was a lot more horrific when I described it, but you're saying then that the, 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 um, the hunger system now is basically more likely to, to make a frenzy happen when someone's hungry at this point, right? Is that what you're trying to say? No, it's not that I'm looking for frenzy. It's just that, like I said, the classic hunger that you think of when you think of a vampire just more often than not tends to be completely absent from the older editions. Whereas in V5, there's more of a risk of compulsion because of the hunger dice. Your hunger can actually screw with you. It can, you start feeling that sort of junkie-like urge to feed. And I think that's a great thing. I think it's super evocative for the narrative. I think it's super thematic for what it is to be a vampire. And I'm thrilled with it. So it's, it's like a, more, I, I, it's I, a I, way I, the mechanics to show like more of the conflict between you and the beast. Exactly, exactly. And uh, another thing is Chris brought up the whole, how it's going back to personal horror, which I also, I really enjoy that. And that's something I think has been missing from, since since about first edition. And I know they, they tried to go back to it with Requiem. And I'm not going to posture myself as an expert because I haven't, I've played exactly no Requiem. I own it. And my, I was going to, I was, I went to my guys. I'm like, Hey guys, let's, let's give this a shot. And they're like, we like the classic wad, which they're not wrong, but so I never played Requiem, but I do know of it. 
And I know they tried going back to personal horror with that. So I think for a lot of storytellers, and myself included, we tend to forget about, we, we get wrapped up in these intrigues and these powerful elders moving pieces on the board and, you know, the the political hierarchy of the city and their machinations and the, the plot twists. And we forget that there's this actual struggle that the players are supposed to be looking at themselves and going, what am I? What have I become? The thought actually struck me when I was reading Beckett's Jihad Diary and when I was looking over the V5 rules again that the only reason that these intrigues exist in the first place is to tempt you away from your humanity, is to make you want to do more and more horrible things to advance yourself in vampiric hierarchy and unlife at the cost of your own soul. And I think I think with them baking that back into V5, that's another thing that I'm super excited about. I want that internal struggle. I want the whole, you know, Louie looking at Lestat and seeing what he could be, what he, what he has not yet become. Does that make any sense? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, I mean, to be honest, that's why I enjoy – those are the type of games I like to enjoy to run in Vampire the Masquerade, you know what I mean? This is kind of like the internal struggle games. And, and you know, while I, I do enjoy reading, like, the, the overall uh, canon uh, that exists for Vampire the Masquerade, I don't honestly – incorporate that into uh, our games at so much. It's more so it'll be like a rumor that they may have, not a rumor, like just to mention, like I think I had in one of our games where someone asked about Lilith and she's like, oh, there's these weirdos who just believe, you know what I mean? That like, like a lot of people nowadays look at religion, you know what I mean? Just kind of like, yeah, there's weirdos that believe that, but I don't have it be a forefront into our story because I love the horror. Me personally, I love what you said about the game. I love the horror aspect and I really like... <laughs> system because it sounds like now in v5 if you use a discipline you it, it adds to that right you know what i mean right or when you use anything that requires blood dancing a little bit more with the beast right am i am i correct in that exactly yeah you risk you risk opening the doorway to it a little bit more and that could that could come back to bite you later yeah, exactly, right? It is great, because it sucks to be a fucking vampire, you know what I mean? Like, that's supposed to suck. You're a monster, I mean, you know? we're here talking about this because it's pretty cool, right? But yeah, it's it's not supposed to be all fun in games, and the players should maybe think twice before, you know, I'm going to pop potents and punch the prince. Oh, yeah, There's yeah, a lot of peas. Exactly. I'm going to out of the window. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no, you know, it's funny as you mentioned that, too, because, like, that's why I I love Empire of the Masquerade, because it's a game of unseen consequences at times, and oftentimes they're brought on by yourself. Example being, we had this Sabat game that we're running, and uh, War is on Fire, and when I first started the game, I was telling everyone, be prepared for your characters to die, because thinking it was going to be, like, some action game, and we, we need backup characters. And right now, like, the biggest threat to, ki- all, to all the characters right now is not dying it's wassail and and losing you know what i mean losing their humanity before they can figure out a path you know what i mean and just like like being closer to the beast and there's actually one character and i think both slavic and quinn know who it is like like a lot of players have like don't even think he's gonna make it to the end of the story because he's gonna like pretty much lose succumb to the beast you know uh and so that's awesome about the game because to me that like like, like that's like a, you can't control that, man. Like that's something that like, and that's a vampire right there, the beast breathing down your neck. You know what I mean? No matter how old you get, get how much influence you've garnered, how much kingdoms you have built, and how much prestige you have have earned, you still have the beast. 
and that beast could just fuck it all up. You know what I mean? Just by one, one slip, you know? So that's what, uh, that's, that's what I love about. So that's awesome. That's cool that they're digging into that. I dig that. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about uh, real quick was the cannon. So I okay. know that I know it sounds like from my understanding is the two stories that they've released. One was Berlin by night and it was tied into a LARP that they did in Europe. That was the first one. And the second one was rusted vein, which takes place in Gary, I believe. And that's the one that Dawkins wrote, if I remember correctly. Right. That is all absolutely correct. Yes. Now. Okay. So both those stories I take, if I was to guess are self-contained games that just take place in the city and they don't really, do they touch upon any of the larger themes that are going to be in the vampire, the masquerade canon in fifth edition? So a larger themes, I'm guessing you're talking about actual story occurrences and not necessarily themes of like emotions yeah. that White Wolf is trying to evoke. No, it's story occurrences. Like, for example, like the Sabbat being in the Middle East now and not so much in the U.S., you know, anymore, stuff like that. Do they do any of those little gameplays touch upon the larger canon, I guess, is I should have phrased it? Okay, yes. I, so I see, I see what you're saying now. So first of all, uh, like I said, when I spoke to Martin Elrickson, I kind of asked him why everything was kind of anarchy lately. Uh, and it's basically because White Wolf really wants to be on the side of the little guy when they tell their stories. They want to tell it from that perspective. And what was really interesting about the two play tests is that it was a very similar story, but from two very different perspectives. In Berlin by Night, you were the Camarilla. And as the Camarilla, you were constantly oppressing and shitting on these Anarchs that were beneath you and just scrabble, scrabbling to get a climb up a rung. And Berlin by Night was all about the Camarilla structure collapsing under you, the Anarchs being ascendant, and now you're getting your just desserts. In rusted, rusted Veins, you were the Anarchs. You were the ones being crapped upon and now you have to get yourself out from under that rock by whatever tiny little meager meager means you have to do it. So, yes, especially does touch upon what you're asking about, about how the cities are more self-contained. And the, the story reason for that is the Second Inquisition, being that mortals and technology getting better and better has actually found evidence of vampires among us. So oh, they've... Started, wow. Yeah. They've started intercepting communications between Camarilla elders, and mm-hmm. in order to stop that, they've, they've stopped emailing each other. They've stopped if, – if they talk, they send messengers, right? But that's going to take mm-hmm. forever, and that messenger might get intercepted. So the Camarilla thieves have kind of, I guess, degenerated into their own islands in a sea of radio silence where before you would have the ivory tower and the, the inner circle would make decrees and pass them down to the prince. Now it's kind of, it's more self-contained. And I think they're actually mirroring Requiem once again, because the storyteller could kind of set up the city however he wanted. And I think they're trying to give that freedom back to the players. So like, uh, like Chris said, if you're not a big canon guy, if you want to ignore canon, you can say this city and it's ruled by a council of primogen. Anarch City, and it's a it's an open democracy. Or I have this traditional prince that breathes down everybody's neck, and I think that's one one of the reasons why they did sort of separate them from everybody else. So a storyteller could have that freedom. Love that, man! Uh, I really, really love that, dude. It sounds like it's almost like a Dark Ages in modern day. You don't need, like we can't use technology anymore. 
the Inquisition's watching us, so we need to get some Game of Thrones gold crows that can fly light speed. To I'm just joking, <laughs> but like, like I really like, I really love that man. Like I hear that. Like I'm literally like sitting here like cold brew running through my veins, all super excited now, like hearing that man because it sounds like first ed. We were talking the other day, Chaz, about Chicago by night, right? And you, you know, yeah. you have a history with Chicago by night. It really sounds like to me like a lot like Chicago by night, first ed, really in a good way. You know, like the Anarchs and the Camarilla and like. Like, like it sounds more, mm, I don't know, man, like more personal in a way, you know what I mean? Like more believable, I guess, other than, you know, magic vampires, you know, but like, seriously, it sounds awesome, man. It like really gets me excited to hear that. No, no, I was just going to ask you, I was going to say, is it, is this modern inquisition from what it sounds like it's more of a government institution rather than like society Leopold kind of stuff? Well, I mean, the society of Leopold's always going to be around, but yes, it's, uh, I'm trying I'm trying very hard to sift through my memory banks for this, but I believe what actually started tipping them off because the in Berlin by night you had the it was the GSG9 who is Berlin's elite SWAT team, and they were going after the oh, Frau Frau Falk would kill me if she knew my German got this bad, but I believe it was the Schwarzkopf bodies because they had these infrared scans, which of course pick up heat, and they have people going through that are completely black on these scans. But what the fuck? So oh, that's what wow. starts keeping them off. They start doing, they start following these people. They start investigating and that's how they start learning about vampires. So it's almost kind of like this men in black deal where these upper level are sort of trying to monitor, trying to get in Washington, DC is going to be alert that, Hey, there's, there's these undead monsters trying to pull our strings. And of course, humanity is trying to fight back. But as far as the side of Leopold, they haven't necessarily mentioned anything about them yet to the best of my knowledge, but I assume they're always going to be around. Yeah, to me, to be honest, as me personally, I much prefer a government agency than, like, the Society of Leopold, to be honest with you. I mean, nothing against those who enjoy the concept of Society of Leopold. I just always kind of find, like, you know, I just, to me, it's, again, I hate using a term in a game, more grounded in reality, but to me, I have, as a, like, if I was to hear a story, I would be more invested in hearing like of a government NSA type agency who just happened to come across communications. I, I prefer that <laughs> as a storyteller because I think it like sounds realistic and also mm-hmm. like I said, kind of push. I love it that like they're like, oh, we can't use this email thing anymore. And you already have elders though who are dispos- who are like who are prone not to know technology because they can't comprehend it. And now you got neonates who are afraid to use it. You know what I mean? So like, it's mm-hmm. like, I love the concept of the city being the city. What do you think about all this uh, Slavic? I mean, what are your opinions? Yeah, I've that? just been thinking about it and I'm not sure because they could have basically gone two ways with this. They could have either gone, you know, vampires embrace technology whatever and they sort of put it under wraps through their hidden contacts or you know this way where uh some government agencies know that vampires exist and i think it changes the game a lot uh especially since you know uh well it changes basically every everything about you know how, how you've played vampire in the modern day uh, about how the how they behave and you know, how they deal with each other. And honestly, I'm not sure if I like it because it's going to be, you know, it might be fun for a game or two, but having it for the whole setting might be really limiting. I sort of 
uh, prefer government agencies like Task Force Valkyrie, if you guys know, from Hunter the Vigil, which is a government agency, but it's also a government agency that's sort of undercover and no one actually knows what it does stuff because they don't trust their parent organizations anyway because they might be infiltrated well as somebody that's run v5 i can say change the experience that much you know we mm-hmm. still had we still had you know the pcs texting each other on their cell phones and stuff oh, okay. like that. but it was it was kind of uh it was kind of an issue because i remember being at you know onyx path seminars at gen con and stuff and people would ask so it's always been this big, huge question is how do vampires deal with modern technology? How do, how do they exist now that everybody's got a cell phone camera? How do they exist when there's, you know, cameras on every street corner? And I think, I think white wolf just kind of saw that as a logical extension, but honestly it doesn't, it doesn't mix that much. If a storyteller doesn't want that to be a huge part of the Chronicle, it's not going to be. Yeah, I guess I see what you mean. I am, I'm reminded of, I don't know if you ever heard of this uh, for, uh, in Call of Cthulhu, the, the RPG setting, there's a, there's a, there's a spinoff called Delta Green. Yeah, and, I know Delta Green. And so, and, right, in, the, in the current version, they have a Delta Green. It's like it's, it's like an official part of the government the government agency, like Homeland Security or whatever. But in the previous editions, it was more like this, almost like a secret society within the government, saying like, okay, so there's some weird stuff going out there. You guys are part of the government, so what, you know we're just sort of like we're, we're like a sect within the government that just knows that this stuff is, and so we have a high turnover rate. So we kind of you know always look even an eye out for people. But I like I do gotta admit like I prefer like when it's like that in that they don't know who they can trust, and people who know too much about it might actually turn against them. Like say you know your government worker to work find out you know there's vampires, it's it, there's temptation to go with it. So I think that, well, like with, when you, when more people know that vampires are a thing, I think it might actually be more interesting if you like go for long term. If you want to do it this way, if you want to say like, you know, they if you do want to have people, you know, normal people investigating like a city for the vampires, it'd be interesting to see like, you know, how do the people react to that? Do they are they tempted by the idea of being a vampire? Do they want to you know wipe them out? You know, just. You could you could use it that way. That's I agree. It, it can be limiting, but if you turn it the right way, it can be much. It can be used to be to expand for interesting directions. Definitely, that makes a lot of sense. I and again, it's not uh, it's not super widespread. It's not like Joe going down the street knows about vampires. But uh, so you're talking about like actually exploring the corruption in these agencies. And by the way, I think I, I think I misspoke to Chris. I think in Berlin by night, there was actually a, a society of Leopold chaplain, but, uh, but no, you're, you're absolutely right. I think that could make a really interesting chronicle about uh, just, you know, what happens to people that, how far would you go to protect humanity? How far would you go to protect your city? How far would you go to protect the people that mean much to you? Would you would you make a deal with the devil? Would you make a deal with the devil for your own reasons? I think, yeah, I think that's a very interesting story. I'm digging the whole aspect about, like, you know, the government knowing and everything, but uh, I heard they changed the humanity system around too, Chaz. Uh, what are your opinions on that? Okay, so as I said, I love 90% of what they're doing with the new mechanics. I think the feeding system or the hunger system is great. I think the new combat system is great. A lot of it streamlines the game a lot better. The humanity system, I cannot stand. And in, in my first 
In the first V5 playtest discussion, I talked about it with the guys, and I was very adamant how much I didn't like it. And I sort of, because I'm the kind of guy that I will, uh, you know, I might, I always try to consider, I might be wrong. I could be full of crap. Let's, let's give this another go. And the more I sit down and think about it, the more it just does not work on any level whatsoever. So what, what about it doesn't work? Is it like, do they, do they still follow like the hierarchy of sins kind of thing or anything like that? Or have they completely changed it from there or what? Oh, the, the new humanity system is, it's a little bit like Wraith fetters, if that means anything to you. But it's essentially tied to an NPC now. And I understand why. You know, with them wanting to take it back in the direction of personal horror, they want to bake it into the game to the point where it's almost inescapable. To where any moron ST can be like, oh, okay, so there's this NPC. All I have to do is include this NPC in my game. And, I'm good. and yeah, they're, they're more or less right for the most part. So you have this NPC, right? I think you start with three of them. And if anything happens negatively to this NPC who anchors you to your humanity, who do of your aspirations to be good, humanity, if they change in a way that you don't like, you lose dots of humanity. If they, they die or get injured, you lose dots. If you do something that kills them or injures them, you lose more dots. Different vampire mythos, I could see that working. Uh, but... In VTM, we have the beast. The struggle, the humanity struggle in Vampire has never been about, oh, I want to be good for goodness's sake. It's, I don't want to be a fucking ravening monster. The beast doesn't give a shit about my touchstone. It doesn't give a shit about this one particular guy. It doesn't care about Stu or Gwen or Fred. <laughs> it cares about... It cares about how much blood I give it and how much blood I deny it. And everybody else is just a juice box. I, I agree with you because to me it's like um, I, I what they're trying to do with these touchstones uh, – what do they call them again? Touchstones? Yeah. Is that – yeah. What they're trying to do with these touchstones it seems like is accomplished through role-playing in itself, right? You know what I mean? Minus the loss of humanity. What I'm saying is it's like – uh, if you're a storyteller and and you have a char- very character driven story, right? And you have a guy who's emotionally char- driven, invested into his character he's playing, and he sees an opportunity if something happens to a mortal NPC that he that what it, whether it's a retainer, ghoul, ally, contact, or just a friend that's not even a dot on a sheet, and he just you know some bad's happened to him, they decide I'm going to say this affects my character this way. To me, that's just solely shouldn't even be mechanical issue it just seems like to me they're trying to force good role playing through mechanics in a way by that you know what i'm saying where really it could just be something that is handled without having to roll the dice or have a dot on a sheet of paper i see what you uh, mean i I feel like it could actually be helpful in just that you know like when you read like a the manual for a role-playing game you how you like what the ideas they give to you is sometimes they color like what kind of games you can do if these are like well, of course, you know, imagination is always going to be more than what's in there. But so, like, just having like a just having like a suggestion for like a touchstone thing could help, like, you know, people try to have more of an emphasis on that. Like, not make it like you know a main part of the rules. Like, just have like an alternative. Just you know, just say like, if you want, have this. See, yeah. now that might work. I was thinking if they were to put yeah. it in like the the storytellers handbook as, as an option, that could be interesting. Because, like I said, if they did want to divest themselves from the lore of Vampire the Masquerade. It could work. But I think as it stands right now, uh, number one, Chris, it's not just any NPC. 
you have three specific NPCs that affect your humanity, yeah. and everyone else can go, go screw themselves, which is a, I'll, I'll come back to that part. But number one, I think it actually ends up taking away from the personal horror aspect. Because like I said, it's the struggle against humanity was being afraid of you becoming a monster. And when you put a face on it, suddenly it's what's going to happen to Steve? What's going to happen to Gwen? It's not what's going to happen to me. What's going to happen when I finally snap? You don't care about anybody else. And that to me seems backwards. In a game where you're supposed to feel shitty for doing shitty things, killing somebody should be a problem. And in this game, and in the current iteration of the rules, there's no fucking problem with just offing somebody. There's my, my players didn't give a crap. Yeah, my there's there's no accounting for the little sin. You can only lose humanity through something happening through your touchstones. You can diabolize vampires left and right. You can kill people left and right. And my players did that in the playtest, and they didn't care. Holy hmm. cow. See, you I'm not say, a fan of that. That's just... Yeah, murder hobo's paradise. If, if they're pushing the hunger dice, if they're pushing the compulsions, if the new hunger system is what they're going to hang vampire on, hunger dice, because you can just off somebody and get rid of all your dice for the rest of the night until you use a discipline, then, oh, well, now, sure, I get where people are going to come from. They can say, oh, well, you're the storyteller, and if, you know, people start killing people, you know, masquerade breach and blood hunt and police and second inquisition, I get that, but you really don't want to, you do not want to be spending your faculties on being antagonistic and trying to punish the players. Yeah. Don't try to force the players to do something, just have, like, sort of have them... Just have it clear on the rules, yeah. Yeah, have it clear in the rules. I, I think I think they should have their own drawbacks to being assholes, and the current rules just don't support that. And I think that's bad design, personally. Yeah, well, the good news is it's uh, alpha, right? And hopefully, maybe between now or between then, when that was created and when the final product hits the shelf, maybe they'll you know what I mean? They'll fix that, or the gold the golden rule can come in. You could throw it out the window. You know what I mean? If you choose not to use it, you know. Hopefully it'll be that easy without too much of a repercussion, you know? That is one thing I, I've thought about. Because if there's one thing the humanity system does excel on, it's a very good way to give the player characters hooks in the story. It's a very easy way for the storyteller char- or the storyteller to bring their char- bring the player characters into their narrative. So it's not terribly difficult to house rule. I could use them as it was and then maybe give a compulsion role for a dot of humanity to kind of work like the old systems, which the old systems unfortunately weren't perfect either. Back in August of 2015, before the Paradox purchased, Eddie Webb from Onyx Path was actually going, he announced he was going to be working on Vampire 4th Edition, which the news of that kind of got swept under the rug because two months later, but, and as Onyx Path does, and I can send you the links to this for the show notes if you want, Chris, he, they do their, their open development and one of the things he was talking about was how how players just kind of use the current humanity system as atrocity points that they spend before handing their character sheet to the, the storyteller and being an NPC. So the current humanity system isn't perfect. But is this better? No. No, it's, 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 it's an absolute train wreck. I could use it. I could house rule it. But I just don't like it. Yeah, me. I mean, me personally, my favorite aspect of Vampire the Masquerade is the humanity system. You know, I'm a huge fan of it. I think it's like the number one thing that a storyteller can use to stop a game, to show there's repercussions of having to, if you don't think through your moves as a vampire, you know what I mean? And it really ties that all in. And I mean, it has every repercussion from A, let's say, <laughs> e, to 
other kindred feel weird around you. If you have low humanity, see, you can't go out in public because people are crossing the street yeah. when you're walking down the sidewalk. You know what I mean? Like it's so much stuff and it really adds that, it really adds that um, element to it. But you know, um, awesome people like you guys who read this stuff and that's why i wait till the end because i find myself i'll get all angry you know what i mean and i just uh uh and and i don't have anything constructive to offer in the process but that's awesome that you and your folks have sat through and played through that and everything and tested that out and i'm sure if they do come out with another iteration i don't know their plans you know what i mean i know they're saying late quarter one of 2018 the final product will be out there but i don't know if they're going to release any other teasers or not but i look forward to seeing you and your you and your awesome troop of of, of <laughs> players uh can test that out and um oh yeah definitely i, look forward I to that, actually man. think i actually think v5 is going to end up getting pushed back because uh because i know they're going to use beckett as a springboard into the meta plot and i don't even think that's gotten released yet as of the time of this recording i think it's still in the you know preliminaries hey proofread this for us uh last thing i heard was martin ellerickson say at gen con by this time next year so they might even be saving it for gen con i don't have anything to back that up that's just conjecture i am excited for beckett's jihad diary i don't know why but at first i wasn't and i didn't put in for the kickstarter and then for some reason i got this bug up my ass and they had that last offer where you could uh you could you could get in on the the premium or whatever deluxe edition and back it you know what i mean after the kickstarter closed and i did that so i got in on it. i still haven't read the pdf like a lot of you guys i had uh access to it you know what i mean being a backer but um i'm excited for that one that's the one here is like 500 fucking pages long 500 so, pages like like so uh i actually just got it a couple days I, I did what you did i got it off of backer kit and it is so good. It reads like the original Bra- uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula because it's all different audio recordings and diary entries and stuff. So it reads like a novel. It doesn't read like a source book. And I was up till probably oh. like 4 a.m. last night just reading through it. it. I found it so compelling. They did disappoint me, though. They, they did disappoint me a little bit. And don't, don't misconstrue anybody listening to this. It's a fantastic book. Buy it. I love it. It's probably my favorite book of the V20 range. But you remember the chapter I was most looking forward to, right, Chris? I told you on Twitter. The Chicago chapter? The Chicago chapter. Or was it? So I yeah, got yeah. to the chapter. I was thrilled. I was excited. Chicago is it's home for my Vampire the Masquerade games. It's my, it's my Greyhawk. So I'm reading through it. And nothing fucking happened. In, oh, in 25, man. I think, uh, like 24 years since the last uh, Vampire 2nd Edition, nothing fucking happened. The same NPCs are still running around. They still don't have a prince. They were talking about <laughs> Mel stirring from Torpor in 1991. Fucking 20-something years later, he's still just scratching his nuts. Oh, <laughs> oh man, that's a bummer. Because I was like, I think the one big thing everyone wanted to know was who's going to be the canon prince after all that shit happened under a blood red moon, uh, which I'm vaguely familiar. I read Chicago First Ed. I haven't read Second Ed, you know, but I know, I mean, I think everyone knows what happened. Spoilers if you haven't, but basically a bunch of werewolves and Sabbat members team up and wipe out a, a good portion of the kindred population in Chicago and the prince at the time Loden was killed. And so the big thing for people who played Chicago by night, like Chaz and others was who's going to become the prince and like different stories about different NPCs or whoever. But I was looking forward to see who did. Sounds like it's just still the primogen are running it, but well, you, you, you read Chicago by night. So you already know, but spoiler alerts, if you're playing in a Chicago by night game, or if you're going to ST or if you don't want spoilers, uh, skip, 
five seconds ahead. So the Primogen actually runs Chicago. The Prince is just a puppet, and they didn't see a reason to elevate somebody else. But I'll tell you what is cool. What what sort of made up for that for me in uh, Beckett's was the L.A. section. The L.A. section is the first time I've ever seen them actually reference the events of Bloodlines, which is supposed to be canon. You get to find out Nines Rodriguez's or Nines Rodriguez's first name. I, okay, I've never played Bloodlines. Dirty Secret. Don't judge me. I, 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 that was after I, I quit playing Vampire, so I never got to play it. I know Slavic played it. I don't know if Quinn did. Who's Nines Rodriguez? Uh, Nines Rodriguez. Yeah. And you know, I've played through the game a lot of times. Like think you and me both. ten I times know. or more. Never played it. <laughs> I think that's called an addiction at that point. But it's just a cult <laughs> classic, man. It's just not something you can explain. It's just the atmosphere, you know. Well, and, that you know. sounds like a good. You need to take a break so you and Chaz can go ahead and continue on on the side about your love for Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. And I'm sure right now there's like 90 people like sending tweets right now about me being uh, a jerk. But I, I mean, I, I got no, no opinion on it the other way, but it's awesome. But all right, let's jump into a break. And then when we come back, we'll be talking about what to look forward to on our channel. And uh, thank you again, Chaz, for all the insight that you brought to V5. I know you answered a lot of questions for me. All right, everyone. Uh, see you after the break. Hi, level games the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level we are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca we have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time we are on itunes twitch and youtube find out more information at highlevelgames.ca a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin that's highlevelgames.ca please help they're coming welcome back we're going to be talking about now uh just take a little bit to talk about what you can what will be coming up on our channel here so uh you should be uh if everything goes planned and you know perfect world and everything on uh december 10th for Vampire the Masquerade Wars on Fire, which is a, a Sabbat uh, chronicle that follows a pack called the Pale Riders Pack uh, in 1942. Uh, they started in El Paso slash Wars, Mexico, and currently right now, no spoilers, but they are part uh, land of Mexico. Um, Quinn uh, plays a Bruja interview uh, called Jasper uh, Flint, who's... Lint. <laughs> Lint, sorry, one of the oh, – I'm a horrible storyteller. Lint, who's one of the um, most horrific fucking bruja I've met without ever doing anything specifically horrific. Uh, and then you have uh, uh, Slavic, who plays uh, – is the Shimizi priest for the pack. Uh, I am looking forward to this game. This game originally I thought was just going to be a nice little break from our normal Twin Cities by Night game so people could play Sabat and cause damage, but it's – it's like surprised me it's become this very inner um i don't know man just like philosophical slash like family union tips in the valdry and about like uh, ev- uh evolving into like something other than human and seeing the slow evolution as a pack does it together someone like told me on twitter once who 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 uh who listens to the podcast version said it's like uh it's oddly like listening to like a family drama in a way you know what i mean like a good family drama and uh i find it to be that way so i'm very excited for that 
Uh, I'm very looking forward to that. So that should be hitting uh, our YouTube channel on uh, around the 10th or the 11th. And then usually when the week following is when the podcast versions and the edited chapter versions will come out. 17th, we have our first official session of Changing the Lost Vanity, which we did the character creation session for a couple weeks ago. You guys can find that on the channel where I, I'm playing in that. Uh, Adam, who played in our World of Darkness Ultimate Devil game, is running that. This guy loves Changeling the Lost, um, loves the, 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 the more horrific uh, horror aspects of the game. So I got a feeling this game's going to be very kind of like a, uh, I, not, I hate saying, it's going to be a darker game because I feel like a hipster saying that, you know what I mean? But it's definitely going to be like a tragic game because at least the character concepts like blew my mind that that came out with that. So uh, that would be hitting on the 17th. Uh, and then you should see uh, coming around soon, we're dropping little uh, preludes for our next Twin Cities by Night story arc, which is going to be called Dread. Uh, basically, um, that's going to uh, that's going to start up again once Wars on Fire wraps up. But uh, for now, we're going to be releasing uh, three character creation videos, uh, and then we're going to do uh, like a, a kind of synopsis video with. Who plays, uh, who's playing his character, Katow, and Slavic, who's playing his character, William, just kind of like go over their history as a mortal and go through the game and where they're at so that when War is on Fire is done, um, you can hit the ground running and you can uh, listen to Twin Cities by Night Dread, which will be the third uh, story arc. Uh, no spoilers, but for those of you who uh, follow our Twin Cities by Night game, uh, uh, they probably remember how that second arc ended and there was a lot of changes coming in the city there. So uh, I tried to name like the story arcs, like what I want the overall theme to be. Like the first one was negligence, second one's homecoming, this one's dread. So you can put your imaginations out there to like what the game's going to be like. So I'm really excited for that. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. If you guys want to find Chaz's and Caffeinated Conquest stuff on YouTube, SoundCloud, Twitter, Instagram. I think that guy even has an airplane ad flying around in my neighborhood right now. <laughs> I'll post that all in uh, our description for the video and the podcast. Uh, if you guys want to find, you've already heard the ad, but I'm going to stress it again. If you want to find other content as us and tons of other White Wolf folks, go to Facebook, search for White Wolf Gameplay, White Wolf RPG Gameplay and Media. We have like, we're almost at 1,700 members right now. We got people sharing con uh, content daily. Uh, and I'm spreading the word. I'm almost like a, I feel like I'm a, uh, uh, like a Indiana Jones and I'm scouring the internet. I scour YouTube and Twitter trying to find content creators. I'm like, come over here and share your stuff. Uh, other than that, do any of you folks got anything to say before we end it for the day? I just want to say thanks for having me, you guys. I had a blast. I, I, Hope I was an acceptable guest and didn't sound like a rambling idiot and didn't hijack the conversation too much. You guys are awesome. I was gonna say you didn't come you you didn't come across dark and mysterious enough. You know, like we're a dark and mysterious podcast. Like, oh, like we play vampire. Where's the trench coat and katana? <laughs> yeah, where's your trench coat and katana? Come on now, you know what I mean. I left so, it at my got... mom's house. Okay. <laughs> You should be living in, what, what are you doing out of your mom's house? Get back in there. Look, look, yeah, it's light out. I can, either, I can either carry my katana or my fanny pack, and I made a call. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, how are you going to carry dice if you don't have a family pack? So smart move. You have just gained plus 10 nerd points in my eyes. I take back everything I've said, dude. Fanny pack full of dice for the win. Let's do this, you know? All right. Thank you for everyone listening. Uh, I have nothing else to say. This has been a blast. And uh, I'll see you guys when I see you guys next time. Hey, do you like World of Darkness? Do you want to introduce your friends to it? But there's one problem. Nobody reads books anymore. This presents you with a problem, doesn't it? You want to get your friends into these awesome games, but they don't have the time or wherewithal to read any of them. Well, that's where Brett the Hitman comes in. Brett the Hitman, your one-stop shop on YouTube for all things related to World of Darkness. Currently in the middle of his Werewolf the Apocalypse series, which is showing tremendous growth. It's going to the moon! That's right, watch Brett the Hitman and you will get style. Flair. Humor. <laughs> and of course, some dank meme magic. Fucking normies. <laughs> Brett the Hitman on YouTube at youtube.com slash I love other people's misery. So watch now. If only for the dank memes. Tune in today! The Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. Central District is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire Districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. Why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Masquerade. The Demon's Mirror. Thirteen Candles. Three Chronicles running through the undead veins of the City of Angels. The Esoteric Order of Role Players Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to EORpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more.
Hi guys, I wanted to let you know about my YouTube channel, the video journals of Mike Bailey. Mike Bailey is a character I play in a live action vampire game called New England Nightmares, which uses the new By Night Studio rules for Mind's Eye Theatre. The Chronicle's set in the city of New Haven, Connecticut, and we run on the third Saturday of every month in Southington, Connecticut. Most of the credit for the stories told in my journals comes from the plots developed by the amazing storytellers who run my game. So the videos on my channel are basically an in-character video logs of the newly sired Ventru Mike Bailey. They follow him from his days as a naive mortal, to his violent embrace during the Anarch Revolt in the City of London, and on to his arrival on the shores of New Haven. The journals show Mike trying to come to terms with his kindred nature, his powerful but impure blood, and his attempts to hide his past from other members of the court of Prince Lucius. So I put out updates every two weeks, and I love feedback and questions, so check out my channel, subscribe, and leave me a comment. The mission seems simple enough, don't they always? Simple sweep and flush out operation. We loaded them up in a hazmat tanker in Montreal and shipped them to a downtown warehouse in the Valley of the Sun. It would have been in and out in a few nights. Well, we wouldn't be telling the story if it all went as planned, would we? I go ahead and uh, I pop wide in. Alright, yeah, I'm gonna run at him and do a sweet spin kick and knock his head off. We're waiting to see whether or not the abomination kills us. Shufflehead Chronicles is available on the Critical Hints feed. Search for Critical Hints in iTunes, Google Play, or any other podcatcher. I, I, I don't think this is how... No.